Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Justin Trudeau points the finger at Jason Kenney for the situation in Alberta. The choices that leaders make in a crisis matter. Half measures won't do to fight this pandemic, to keep people safe, to prevent further lockdowns, to further slow the growth of our economy. And that's at the heart of the choice Canadians need to make in this election. Aaron O'Toole is asked if Kenny made mistakes in Alberta's handling of the pandemic. As Prime Minister, I will work with all premiers, regardless of strike, to fight against the pandemic. A pandemic that we need to fight. And Mr. Trudeau didn't fight. He called an election. And Jagmeet Singh says there's enough blame to go around. Well, there's no question that, that Mr. Kenny is to blame here and that his leadership has been horrible. Uh, but it doesn't also dismiss the fact that Mr. Trudeau called an election while the fourth wave was hitting hard, while everyone knew that it was going to hit. It's Friday, September the 17th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories from the election campaign this morning. We're joined by Toronto Star national columnist Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. How much do you think this week's events in Alberta, the fact that Premier Jason Kenney has had to apologize, say his government got it wrong and introduced new levels of lockdown in the province in response to rising COVID infection rates. How much is that playing into the federal election campaign in the final few days? We've heard Justin Trudeau, Aaron O'Toole and Jagmeet Singh all talking about it. And in particular, Justin Trudeau is saying an Aaron O'Toole led government would have put Canada in the same situation. O'Toole in turn is saying, well, we shouldn't have had an election during the pandemic. And this is evidence of that. So do you think it's going to be a factor? I think it has the potential to be a big factor. Uh Two reasons. You talked about Jason Kenney on Wednesday announcing a state of emergency. Basically, he's reversed himself on vaccine passports. Um, He's also calling on people not to think about vaccination as a personal health decision, but as one that puts all of society at risk. Um, And then we saw Premier Mo on Thursday um, basically say that big changes are going to be coming to his province as well because there's just too many cases. This Delta variant is rapidly spreading through these provinces. The Liberals had tried to make, wanted to make, the ballot question about who could best manage the pandemic and the recovery, but really focused on um, the health implications of the pandemic, not the financial future of the country with regards to the pandemic. Um, They wanted people to think about the fact that the Liberals had spent $9 billion uh, to get as many Uh, vaccines as possible. I think there's enough vaccines when you think about all the vaccine candidates, you know, five potential options for every Canadian who wanted to be vaccinated. Um, They wanted people to think about CERB and the efforts the government had gone uh, to ensure that people were safe. The NDP and the Conservatives wanted to make the ballot question a referendum on Justin Trudeau. And I think that actually in the last few weeks, it seems, although we've taken a few twists and turns, that um, that the opposition was winning on that argument. And this week, what has happened is that Jason Kenney has put the pandemic and the handling of the health crisis front and center. And unfortunately for Mr. O'Toole, a number of the arguments that he's been putting forward since the beginning of the election, Mr. Kenney has reversed himself on and said, mea culpa, uh, this wasn't the right way, basically, to think about these things. 
Hmm. Mr. O'Toole positioned himself as the, the bridge builder between the people who are vaccine hesitant, some of whom, of course, are also anti-vax, um, and the people who thought that there should absolutely be mandatory passports and that, um, you know, that was the only way to get rid of more lockdowns, to avoid more lockdowns. Um, he, you know, was very careful about um, not saying that you should have mandatory vaccinations to go on planes and trains. He refused to say how many of these candidates were vaccinated, saying that in his mind what was most important is that they were basically not spreading COVID, so they didn't have to be fully vaccinated, but they needed to test negative every day. Um, Mr. Kenny changed his mind on that this week. And uh, this basically, and the Liberals are going to be hammering hard on this, um, is the Liberals showing to Canadians, you see, you know, this guy, all the things that he's been saying uh, are proving to be false. And yeah. unfortunately for Mr. O'Toole, there is also a lot of footage of him praising Mr. Kenny for his handling of the pandemic, right. which is probably not what you want to have, you know, four days out of an election um, as a last reminder in people's minds. Yeah. Um, so I think it could matter a lot. And the other flip side is, for people for whom um, vaccine, mandatory vaccination is a big issue, um, that they are very disappointed with Mr. Kenny and Mr. Mo uh, reversing themselves, this is now the chance for them to say, you know, well, put their hands up in the air and say, no more conservatives. I'm going to go vote for Maxine Bernie and the People's Party of Canada. Right. So on both sides, I think this hurts Mr. O'Toole a lot. Do you think... You, you outlined kind of two ballot questions. One was the unnecessary election, and the mm-hmm. other was the kind of the handling of the um, of the pandemic and, and even just the sort of, um, you know, the, the risk of changing to an Aaron O'Toole government, uh, which is the one the liberals want. Um, some, you know, I, I never think an entire election comes down to one ballot question anyway, but in this case, does it come to come down to which ballot question you choose, in a way, if you're a voter? Yeah, I wonder if that's the case with most elections, though. I yeah. mean, there's no one big central issue in this campaign. No. In some ways, I think the question, the ballot question is a question of trust. But I don't know what the preamble to that part is. Right? I don't know if who do you trust is who do you trust to get to address the climate change crisis, to ensure that there is childcare uh, across this country, because that is a ballot question, and of course it would play really well for the NDP. Um, is the question who do you trust to manage the health crisis? And in that issue, is are the Liberals do the do they get the upper hand? If the question is who do you trust to manage the financial uh, challenges facing your country, whether that's inflation or just bringing down the debt, it, does that favor the Conservatives? I think. I think it's a question of trust, and I think the preamble is still unknown. So, Althea, this is our last podcast before Election Day. Um, what are you going to be watching over the next few days? Uh, there, we've basically got three days to go in, in this yeah. election. Um, so it's interesting. So I'll tell you, like as we record this, I'm with the Conservative campaign, and later today I will be joining the Liberal campaign, and I've already spent three or four days with the NDP, so it just... It, it, Usually, um, or in the past three elections, I've been spending uh, like 48 hours with each camp to kind of just get a sense of um, what the mood is like, 
with the campaign and things that you can learn in the, the last few moments, but also to pe- speak to supporters and um, get a sense of momentum. And I think that that will continue, um, you know, from what I'm hearing, but I want to, I, I have made that long preamble so that you understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> um, you know, we're kind of, we travel in these like uh, basically self-contained units where there, you don't have a lot of interaction with the public. But my sense yeah. is from talking to people and, you know, that includes cab drivers that get me from one place to another, there is not a lot of enthusiasm uh, in voting liberal. Lots of people that I've met have told me that they voted liberal in 2019 and in 2015, and they're they're not sure who they're going to vote for this year. So I think um, it will be, and what I'll be watching for is to see what the mood is like on the liberal camp, and whether or not you get a sense that people are motivated and they're excited about what they're hearing at the doors and getting their vote out and whatnot. A lot of this seems like it's going to come down to ground game because the polls are so tight. The liberals seem to be. Um, you know, increasing a lead in Ontario. I don't know how the Bleu Québécois and the boost that the, as we say in French, that question qui choque, the question on Bill 21 and Bill 96 and this question of racism in Quebec, how that is going to shake out with tight three-way races. I mean, yeah. so many races in this country are, like, I think about... Um, in Vancouver, for example, in the greater Vancouver area, um, in the regions of Quebec, in southwestern Ontario, around the GTA, the three-way races are impossible to call. So whose troops are more motivated? Um, and then people who are not motivated, if it's true that many liberal supporters are not that enthusiastic, do they bother showing up to vote? Usually I think people vote against something rather than for something. Um and I don't know if that's going to be the case uh, on Monday. Yeah. And as you point out, lots of variables when you've got multiple parties and, and three-way races in different jurisdictions. So there are, there are, the, the national polling numbers really don't tell the story of, of how these yeah. are going to play out. So we'll have to see. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about Comirnaty and Spikevax and, um, and Vaxivria, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Anyway, the... Um, the new names for all the vaccines, but we'll leave that no. for another time. <laughs> Althea, thank you well, so I much. I confuse us, but I guess they had no choice. I know. Uh, I don't. If I don't. a private company says, I want to be called X, but I think, I mean, I, I have double Moderna, and I think I'm still going to call it double Moderna instead of the spike, whatever I'm supposed to be calling it. Yeah, spike vax. Or maybe just a Dolly Parton vaccine. <laughs> we'll see. Spike, spike vax sounds cooler to me, but but anyway. It sounds um, like it belongs in an X-Men comic. Yeah. All right, good I stuff. Know, I don't, or like weird things are going to come out of my skin <laughs> after taking this crazy vaccine. No, no, don't. don't. Is this going to hurt? Vac- don't don't dissuade people. <laughs> don't dissuade people from vaccination. <laughs> no, go get vaccinated. <laughs> Thanks, Althea. Enjoy okay, thank the you election. Very much, Mark. Have a great day. That's Toronto Star national columnist Althea Raj. Fellow Albertans, we are facing an emergency that requires immediate action to save lives and to prevent an ongoing crisis in our healthcare system. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Carson Jarema argues Alberta's vaccine passport opens the door for Maxime Bernier. He writes... There has been speculation that Jason Kenney's absence in recent weeks was to help Aaron O'Toole, 
by removing a target the Liberals could use as a wedge in the campaign. But it isn't only the Liberals that the Tories should worry about. People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Bernier has seized on the new restrictions. Fixing to be a spoiler in the election, he has accused Kenny of declaring war on charter rights and called him a despot. As ever in Alberta, the most potent political threats are on the right. In the Toronto Star, Frank Graves and Michael Valpe argue political polarization has made this election much more important than most people think. They write, The 21st century has shown a consistent and now explosive upward trend in polarization in Canada. Most of this was at the very least blunted as the pandemic showed clear signs of waning. It has surprised pollsters, pundits, and quite likely politicians to the extreme that deep polarization has re-emerged so quickly in the context of an election. It is not clear what will make it go away again, or at least blunt it, and refocus the national debate on how to conclude the pandemic. In the Montreal Gazette, L. Ian MacDonald argues this eventful campaign might settle nothing. MacDonald writes, With only a few days to go, nobody has a good sense of how it's going to end. If there's a consensus in the daily tracking polls, it's that we're looking at a dead heat between the Liberals and the Conservatives. And the regional breakouts point only to the increasing likelihood of no party winning a majority. Welcome to an interesting election night, which sadly might settle nothing. Now here's what's coming up on the campaign trail today. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will attend an event in Windsor, Ontario. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will make an announcement and hold a news conference in London, Ontario. He will also attend an event with supporters in St. Catharines. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will make an announcement in Sherbrooke, Quebec before visiting a business in Sackville, Nova Scotia, and meeting with supporters in Halifax. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will speak at a news conference in Saint-Étienne-de-Grès, Quebec, and Lévis, Quebec. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, September 17th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today and through the weekend for coverage of the final few days of the federal election campaign And join me for Have Your Say today and on Election Day on Monday at 12 Eastern Time on CPAC. Our podcast returns Monday morning on Election Day. Have a great weekend.